0: G'day guys, welcome to the Origin Canine podcast, where our mission is to enhance the full life cycle of working canines and handlers. The podcast is now available on YouTube and all major podcast platforms. If you're looking for our Australian-made tactical canine equipment, go to origincanine.com. Enjoy the show. So, g'day, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Origin Canine podcast. Um, today, we've got the second woman we've had on the show. Um, so, welcome to Christine Shelter. Um And now, Christine is somebody who I've seen floating around on the Instagrams, on the social medias. Um, and now, Christine, you've popped up in a bunch of my friends' accounts under the business name Superfit, um, like the Evan Nulties and um, uh, Gary Hicks and those sort of guys. So, um, Welcome to the Origin Canine podcast, and thanks for giving us your time. Thank you. So, um, like I said, you've obviously been doing the rounds on the socials. Like, you're familiar with those guys because you're somewhat in the dog space, right? Can you give us a bit of a rundown on what you do?
1: As far as the Canine Handler program?
0: Well, just in general. So give us a rundown about SumaFit, and then I want to get into – like we'll dive back into like your childhood growing up, that sort of stuff. But I just want to give – I want you to do a better explanation of what you do than I will do.
1: Okay, so we've had the Canine Handler Fitness Program for, I think, this will be all, uh, two years almost about. And, uh, gosh, it's been so successful. It's been amazing, and uh, I've been able to meet some – Truly incredible people. But some of it started out just as regular online training. I, uh, my business partner won the CrossFit Games in 2017, and I did bodybuilding and I studied neuroscience and, and positive psychology. And I thought, well, if we put these two together, we're going to have something that I don't think is really out there. We'll have something that's for everyone. So we started doing that and came up with just regular training programs. And uh, it's been a goal of mine to help the military. Since I was 16, my cousin was a Sark in the military, and uh, I thought, it, I feel like we train them to go to war. We don't necessarily train them to come home. And in college, studying neuroscience and all those things, I thought, I thought you know what? If I can combine the two, fitness and the mental aspect, maybe there's a way to uh, fill that hole. And um, I ended up adopting a retired canine from Project Canine Hero, Lex, and that kind of started the whole canine thing for me because I met these incredible people and I thought, well, let's start there. Let's start with the canine handlers there. And, yeah, the Canine Handler Program was born.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, now, obviously, we're going we're gonna to touch on your cousin um, at, at some point in the podcast because that's a big motivator for you. Um, Sark, Search and Rescue Canine, is that what that is?
1: He was a medic in the, in the Navy.
0: Oh, okay. So what, what's SARC? What's that acronym mean?
1: I think it's Special Amphibious Reconnaissance Corpseman, I believe.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because I just hear SAR and I think Search and Rescue, I thought it was like a on like a thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Interesting.
1: Went-
0: yeah. So you're, you're obviously very educated, right? Like you've, you know, was it, I'm going to get the, the name wrong and feel embarrassed for it. Was it neuroscience? Or neuro,
1: so I was neuroscience. All, neuroscience, right. I was all over the place. I just thought, gosh, the mind was incredible and it was so complex and responsible for so much, if you think about it. I, and the way the body and the mind kind of play off each other or how they can be going against each other. And just to understand that for me was so interesting. I just yeah, I loved my lectures. I loved my lectures in uni. And uh, yeah, I thought it was incredible.
0: Awesome. I mean, even for someone like me at surface value, that sounds extremely interesting, right? But when you get deep into, say, the nomenclature of all the, 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 the what do you call it, like the, the academia of that type of stuff, is it overwhelming or, or is it like, how long does the course take?
1: Well, so the ones my favorite ones was neuroscience, uh, pathophysiology, cognitive neuroscience, biopsych, and then I took on the side positive psychology. So I didn't love so much the psychology aspect as far as uh, when you took the biology out of it. I wanted it to be combined. And that was where I really excelled in school. But I actually only got my associates. I never got my bachelor's because I would have to go back and take chemistry 1010 and I didn't want to do that. So uh, yeah, I just stopped and I took a bunch of random classes uh, as far as my uh, assistants, my, yeah, my assistants would help me. And then I didn't, I didn't get my bachelor's.
0: Okay, and what, what do you mean by your assistants?
1: uh to pay for it you can get your school paid for i had my i can't remember how i got it paid for actually but yeah once that ran out i stopped taking random classes <laughs> Okay, all right
0: yeah i never went to uni uh or like college so i'm not overly familiar with some of those terms like the um the associates versus the uh bachelor's and degree and all that sort of stuff postgraduates and all those sort of things so yeah
1: Associates is two and then bachelors is four, four years.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's, let's go back then. I want to go back to when you were a kid. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself growing up, family life, where you lived and how that influenced you to where you are today and the stuff that you do?
1: Sure. So my dad was in the Air, he was in the air Force Academy and there was a, a fighter pilot. And my mom was also in the Air Force. And uh, she's, she's incredible. My, so my dad did boxing and my mom right now actually does Iron Man's. She's just a go-getter. And uh, I was a loser though, growing up. I hated myself. Gosh, I would get along with adults so much better than kids my own age. And uh, I really, I never had friends all the way up through high school, really. It wasn't until I graduated, even then. It was in my 20s when I really started. Uh, finding people that I could relate to. But uh, so yeah, I was always to myself. And I did track, but I really didn't have any eye hand coordination. I was overweight. And I didn't like the way that I looked. I was very uh, self conscious. And that was kind of my dream for me, and I think the, the behind why I started bodybuilding was because I felt like I didn't have any control, and I wanted control. I wanted to, be, to feel beautiful in my own skin, and I never did, and uh, to feel strong and to feel powerful, and I think that's when I found bodybuilding. Actually, my dad found my coach for me, but that's what that gave me. So that's when I fell in love with it—to to have that kind of control, to be able to sculpt your body, to be able to push yourself to those kind of extremes.
0: Wow! So there, there's a bit of a dichotomy, it seems, in in what you were saying. So, in in one sense, you've got this incredible set of parents, right? Just as a fighter pilot, very intelligent, both yeah. very physically capable sort of people. What do you? How did you end up as an overweight kid? Like, how how do you? How does that happen?
1: <laughs> so it wasn't until so I was in uh, private school for a while, and then I went to public school, and there was family. Fr- there were family friends that I went with, and I grew up on like organic food. My parents had me drink goat milk growing up, even Halloween. Then my mom would be like, nope, trade it in, and she would have candy from uh, Whole Foods that we could eat instead. And for me, I didn't know what a donut was until I was in, I think, junior high. Yeah. So I ate really healthy. And once I got junior high and I was around these other things, I didn't know control and I didn't know uh I guess how it would affect my body. And we would go out to shake shops and I just started gaining weight and I wasn't very active. And my mom would always say, uh, "Run more and eat less, Christine." And that worked for her, for her, but as a kid growing up, I didn't that did not work for me at all. And yeah. So I think I think that was It started there in junior high. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, for my benefit, because I'm unfamiliar with junior high, what age would you have been roughly?
1: I was 13. Okay.
0: So quite in, yeah, in those formative years uh, for a young woman. um, So obviously that's where you're, I'm going to use the word body dysmorphia in place of of a more appropriate term. But, um, is that obviously where your, your low self-confidence came from your physical appearance and the way you felt with your, your poor diet?
1: No, actually it came from much younger where I, kids just didn't like me. I was weird and I could sit and talk to adults, people much older than me, but, uh, kids, I could, I just, they thought I was weird. I would get picked on. Uh, and, um. Yeah, I would hide behind the bus and read my books behind the wheels so no one could find me. And I couldn't play sports. I wasn't very good at anything. So that's where that came from. That's where that started. And then when I didn't like the way that I looked, obviously that made it worse.
0: Wow. So you've obviously had a bit of time to reflect on this. You, you've, you've done some digging. You've probably done a bit of unpacking. Is yeah. that something you reflected on when you were a kid or is that that came later in life?
1: Oh, much later, much, much later. I think uh, it took me a long time to become someone that I fully trusted in myself, fully uh, with confidence in myself and uh, grounded. It took me a long time, so much later. Yeah,
0: okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, just, I mean, to hear your perspective on it now, years and years later, what you felt at the time. So what about, what was high school experience like then if you weren't very confident, you felt like you didn't get along with other kids, what was that like?
1: So I felt really lost and, uh, my, my parents were all about college and they wanted me to go to a great college. They were willing to pay for it and, uh. I would kind of, in a way, self-sabotage. I self-sabotage myself for school. I tested out of a lot of classes simply because, and I was able to, but simply because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be around other kids. I felt embarrassed. I hated sitting there. Uh, And I really, yeah, I was all by myself most of the time. Every now and then there were little stints where maybe I had some friends here. I did some things there, but uh, I was alone most of the time and I really didn't do anything except for track
0: yeah okay so at what point did your like extreme love of of physical fitness and and the mind and you know diet and all those sort of things when did this sort of come in around that period
1: so after uh high school after I graduated I had two years that were really difficult where I was really searching trying to find myself and I was raised really where uh Sort of, It was really safe growing up. I didn't have a lot of opportunity to make mistakes, really, because I didn't have any friends and I didn't do anything. But in those two years, I basically made all the mistakes. And it took me a long time to try to find myself. And one time I was at the gym with my dad because he would take me. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to lift. And I saw this, this girl and she walked in the gym and it was such a weird feeling where it was everything I had always wanted to feel but maybe couldn't put words to she was so beautiful, so proportionate, and she looked so strong and so confident. And I told my dad, I'm like, dad, I want to look like that. And, uh, I guess after we left, I didn't know this, but he went up to that lady's coach and got his information. And my dad said, Christine, you know, I'll pay for this. If you want to, if you want to go and start. And I did. And for the first time, I learned that I didn't, I was never okay in the mind. I was never confident. I couldn't fix myself mentally. I couldn't uh, be the way that I wanted to be. I couldn't push myself. I couldn't stop being scared, but through this uh, journey, I guess, in bodybuilding, the way that it started, I was able to heal myself in a way from the outside in and learn structure and learn to be powerful and confident and what that feels like. So that's where it all started and uh mm-hmm, yeah and then I yeah. started classes in uni uh neuroscience classes and all that
0: wow so it sounds like post high school you've really like uh what's the word I'm after you've had a bit of a like a self-realization moment and you've just gone oh I do have the power I can do school I can physically change myself in the way that I feel right that's awesome that's a- yeah, it's, it's good to, I suppose it's really good to learn that at such a young age because, I mean, still in your early 20s, that's super young, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel out of control anymore. That's the thing is I realized that there are some things I can control. I can control my body. I can control – I can create something beautiful. Uh, it just takes a lot of hard work and discipline and structure, and that has transferred over to everything.
0: So did you start – straight away with that coach
1: did i start i'm sorry did i start did right? you
0: start like training bodybuilding straight away with that coach that your dad spoke to
1: i started just i just wanted to get in shape and a few months in he goes christine you have the body for figure and he said if you wanted to compete in figure i think you could do very very well and i was so stoked i said yes absolutely and uh, i loved it i fell in love with it i thought it was such an amazing sport and um yeah so it wasn't it wasn't immediate, but he did tell me a few months in that if it was something I wanted to do, I could definitely do it. So I jumped at the opportunity.
0: Yeah. Now, given that you had a, a, a reasonably strong history, a family history in the military, did the military ever pop up as an option for you?
1: My parents pushed; uh, they wanted me to be what was it? Linguistics? Something linguistics in the Air Force, I believe. And I took the ASVAB, which is the first test, and then. I didn't think I'd do well, but I ended up doing well enough to take the next test. And I sabotaged that test and made sure that I failed because I didn't know. <laughs> I was afraid. Afraid of the future. I didn't want to go to school? I didn't know. I didn't feel like I could handle it. I was just afraid. So I would do everything I could to try to stay safe,
0: if you will. Yeah, so there's a lot of self-preservation in, in a lot of things that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So what about the the PT stuff? Did the PT stuff come about because of the bodybuilding or was it, I mean, I guess it's a natural progression, right?
1: Well, it really became, it became something when I, I was a regular trainer just in regular gyms, but it became something that I wanted to create a business from when I really got into the mind. Aspect of it in my classes. And I read a book about uh by Dr. Joe Dispenza Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And he talked about how the mind follows the body and the body follows the mind. And if the mind won't come, bring the body and the mind will follow. And a lot of times we will go through things or we'll learn things and the body actually can become the mind where we'll say, okay, I have this goal or I'm going to eat this way. And then we don't, it's because our body's now in charge. Our mind isn't strong enough to be in charge anymore. And I thought, I can, I can combine these two things and make something that maybe isn't out there right now, out there in programs that can really change people more than just physical because everyone, I, I thought everyone's always starting over for eight weeks, they're fit or they do some crash course and they're okay. But what if, uh, what if I could combine the two?
0: yeah awesome and obviously, your study at university has like empowered you to in order to combine the 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 two aspects right the physical and the mental
1: right absolutely. It started it for me, and understanding the body on a deeper level, understanding how things work, how systems work beyond just macros or uh cardio or lifting
0: yeah. So was the the military still like an ever-present option for you or you just going, no, just not going to do it?
1: No. When my cousin died and I I was in high school, I was close to graduating, I remember I, I always wanted to do something. And as time went on, it became something to where I wasn't going to serve, but I wanted to serve those who did. And Eventually, it became something where I'm going to do it through mindset and fitness, and I'm going to give them somewhere to find their power again, maybe if they lost it, or to make them better at what they do and to feel strong and capable. And uh, yeah, so that's that's where that came in later on
0: yeah so i d- I didn't realize that you were so young when your cousin had passed away can you do you mind just running us through what happened to him and like around about what time is this what what year
1: gosh i think when he i graduated in twenty ten so i think two thousand nine around there i believe two thousand eight two thousand nine I'd have to check but uh Yeah. My cousin was awesome. I actually only met him once and he made such an impact on me. His, his name was Joe, Joseph, Joe, and just gosh, such an incredible guy. And I met him right before he joined or he left. And when he came back, he, I don't know everything, but I know that he struggled a lot. And unfortunately he ended up committing suicide. And, uh, to me, he left such an impact on me when I met him and he seemed to me so strong and so capable. And I remember one of his best friends told me, Joe made a lot of sacrifices for a lot of people and he took on all the dark so that other people wouldn't have to. And it was just so impactful that someone so strong could suffer so much. And that's something that I really, I wanted, I wanted to, I couldn't save my cousin, but maybe I can save someone else's or at least give them the power or the tools or even the community to possibly change that for someone else. So.
0: Yeah. Wow. I also didn't realize you'd only, you'd only met him once and he's just had this massive impact on you.
1: He was incredible. It's, it's, it's almost—he was one of those people where you could feel him. Um, you could feel just this immense strength and this kindness and this depth that, yeah, never left me from the moment I met him.
0: Wow! And how old was he when you met him?
1: I think, uh, gosh, he must have been really early twenties. I think, pretty sure. He and was young. Yeah.
0: How old was he when he when he passed away? How old was he?
1: You know. I don't know. I believe 30s in his late – in his maybe early 30s, but, yeah. Yeah, maybe wow. Far too young.
0: Yeah, I mean, any, any age for, for suicide right, is far too young. Like, um, I heard a really interesting statistic the other day, and I'll probably butcher it, but the, the leading cause of death for men under the age of 44 is suicide.
1: Oh my god!
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you if that's an accurate statistic or if, if I've done it any justice, but I mean, if that is true, that's like a pretty astounding statistic. It's out of control. Heartbreak. It's even bigger. Oh, a bigger kill than, than cancer and and you know I don't know any other of those big diseases out there. But that's incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. So once he passed away, then. Can you tell me how that started to affect the way that you did things when it came to your PT business, or, or what eventually turned into SumaFit? It was uh,
1: it, it was something that was kind of in the back of my mind for many years. I was still trying to figure myself out. I wasn't really in a place to help anyone. I needed to help myself and to be someone that that I was confident in, but. When, suma, when we started suma Fit, the goal was always to somehow help the military. I didn't know how. I was going around teaching uh, glute classes at random gyms, and we were doing one-on-one online. And uh, it was when, actually, by happenstance, I found a, a Jocko podcast with Mike Gritland. And Mike Gritland was talking about Team Dog and the relationship that you have with your dog, and I had just adopted a rescue. So I signed up for Team Dog. And from Team Dog, I found out about Warrior Dog Foundation. And from Warrior Dog, I don't remember how, but I found out about Project Canine Hero, which is another foundation like that. And I created a relationship with the founder, Jason. And down the road, I ended up adopting what would be my first retired working dog, which was Lex. He was a Dutch. And uh, because of Jake and, or not Jake, sorry, Jason, and I got to meet Lex's handler Bob who was again a fiercely kind human being just incredible and people that helped me in handling this dog that I was not prepared to handle i realized gosh these people in this in this world are the best of the best and i didn't realize how much they sacrifice and yet how kind they are all the time and that's when i Mitch and i decided Let's, let's start here with this, with this program. Why don't we make a canine handler program? You have the functional, you have the strength side. I have the mental side, the mobility side, and the aesthetic side. Let's combine them and see if we can do something for them that we didn't see existed. Because these people, second to none. Let's see if we can give back to them somehow. So that's, that's where that started.
0: Yeah, also, and that, that's that's why I wanted to get you on because I love I love that you're so passionate about helping people, and you know, like there's there's lots of different ways to serve, right? You don't have to be on the the front line, so to speak. Yeah. So I like I like the way that you do serve the community, um, and in in a way, that's kind of what I do now with Origin Canine, right? I'm like I'm no longer the guy that handles the dog or that has you know that holds the guns. I'm just I'm the support guy and that's the way I serve now. So I like, I like your mentality towards that. Can you just, I just want you to run me through the, the dogs that you had. So you said you had Lex, but you had a dog before that, right?
1: I had a rescue and she's actually with Mitch now. She's no longer lives with me, but uh, she was the first dog that I ever trained. And that was something that I thought was so incredible, incredible about my grit training was really understanding the dog and how they think because I had always been raised to be forceful and to force you you know your will on the dog and that was something obviously that when I adopted Lex would not work because Lex knew what was what (laughs) he was sure to let me know but uh so Lex was my first retired canine after Remy I adopted Lex and Lex unfortunately had cancer and he died two years or two years sorry two months after adopting him and that's when I met Bob and he's actually Yeah, he's actually in uh, the Michigan War Dog Memorial Cemetery though, and that was such a beautiful, it was so beautiful to see uh, him buried buried there and and to meet Bob and Project Canine Hero is just such an incredible organization. But, uh, and then after Lex, I adopted a retired military working dog who I have now, which is Reno, and he's a German Shepherd and he's, he's a goof, but he's awesome.
0: Yeah. So where where did Lex serve? Which branch of the military?
1: So he was canine. So he was Oakland County, Michigan, just uh, the sheriff's department. So police.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Do you know, did you get much of a, uh, like a lowdown on his career?
1: No, but apparently he was a badass. I really didn't know much about him because his handler was actually uh, battling cancer. And, uh,
0: geez, both of them.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, it's. It's bittersweet, but in a way also beautiful, because the way Bob loved Lex, they were always meant to be together. And Lex, when Lex died, he, and Lex died first, and then Bob died, and I believe Uh, they're home together now.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) Don't make me cry, Christine. I've I've cried many, many times on this podcast. Don't make me do it again.
1: (laughs) They they were incredible, Lex. Lex, I think, was probably I had never met anything that that was like Lex. It's like he would look right through me, or time would stand still when I'd look at him. I had never been around a dog that was so forceful yet steady uh, and just beautiful. And it made sense, though, when I met Bob, I thought, of course, of course, he was your dog. Yeah. So. So,
0: so what was what was it like having? Um, having legs for those two months. Can you just run us through, like, just give us the wave tops of what it was like to deal with him? Sorry, my, my audio just cut you out there.
1: I got bit a few times. I really needed to learn to be. Someone gave me the advice who is also a canine handler. Uh, to, Christine, you need to be firm but fair. And I really didn't know. I had to go back to that course, uh, team dog, a lot to realize that I can't just jump in and expect this dog to understand. I needed to understand him to understand things the way that my life was. I needed to understand him and to really take a step back and realize that this was not like any other dog that I had been around. And it was very honestly with both of them. And I will always adopt retired dogs because I find that I can't be the same person going or I can't, I won't come out the same person I am going in because of how much it will take. And the constant respect that I'm going to have to earn and be worthy of with them, and yeah, yeah the, the, it's incredible. It was a lot of learning, a lot of patience, and a lot of growing. Honestly, and just understanding the way that they think.
0: Yeah, and I'm not familiar. Like I obviously know what the like the Team Dog um, online program is. Can you run us through what that's like, what Mike written stuff is like? There's a lot of food-based stuff with clickers and whatnot.
1: The clicker thing is huge, but more so than even the clicker, because it's a huge mark and you reward the behavior. But that was the biggest thing for me is just waiting. I didn't have patience. I wanted to just this dog to understand what I wanted. And uh, more so because Lex was already completely trained, and so was Reno. Just understanding the way they think. It was the biggest game changer for me, looking for the behavior. When they give you that behavior, you mark a new reward. And it's like that every time, a thousand times and the structure and the consistency. It honestly, that program changed my life. I mean, there were things in there that Mike would say, well, one of them was about trust, how it's like a piece of paper. If it's crumpled, no matter how hard you try to straighten it out again, it'll never be the same. And that was something I thought, you know, I'm never going to ruin that with these dogs. I'm never going to, to try to move too fast or too far. I'm never going to, uh, because I don't understand something or know something, put it on the dog. I really want to be the best that I can be for them. So, yeah, it was an incredible program. It was, it's easy to follow. It's uh, a bunch of videos you do. And you take a, a short quiz at the end and make sure that you understand it. And then you move on to the next one.
0: Yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, I've I've got a few mates of mine who've like mostly in the states who have done it and they 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 love it. Yeah. Um, and obviously I met I met Mike, but we didn't really talk about training methodology methodology. But so um no, it's good. That's awesome that it like set you up for what you needed to learn later.
1: Hmm. Absolutely. I loved it.
0: And so, what about your second dog then, the one you've got now? What's that relationship been like? And you still using the team dog stuff.
1: I do. Right now he's. I really, I just keep structure in day to day. There really isn't any, I'll do hand feeding here and there. Uh, Still eye contact. It's just the relationship based thing that I look for with Reno. He's, he's incredible. Actually, I don't think he'd be alive right now if Jason hadn't saved him. Uh, He was so bad. He was supposed to be deployed, but couldn't because his skin was so bad. They were actually giving him bleach baths. That's how bad it was. And he was on like 50 minutes. And uh, he has an autoimmune disease because of one of the medications, I believe. So he was, he was in a bad way when I got him and oh my gosh, he stunk. And I was so afraid I was going to get mauled because he did not look like he had any control. I was so scared of him. And again, thank God the people that I reached out to canine handlers, canine trainers using uh, Mike's program, just incredible people always willing to help me. But I did spend a lot of nights sitting by his kennel crying that I made this horrible mistake, but he's uh... like, completely different so yeah worth it worth it and how long have you had him for i've had him for just over a year now it's been a year awesome yeah
0: because when i see you on social media the first the first time i was sort of alerted to your page the business page of Swimmer fit was um obviously i follow like Gary Hicks from Worthless Handler and um, Evan Nolte from Denmother. They're always tagging now. They're like skipping and stuff. And I, I didn't. I thought it wasn't like a person. I thought it was like. Um, I, I honestly thought it was like a piss take thing at the start. I was like, oh, maybe this is some person that they're always tagging because they're always like, paying my dues and eating my vegetables or whatever. Um, and then I looked you up, and I think, you know, like every time someone follows me, I send them a voice message and say, Hey, thanks for the follow. So. Um, but, yeah, it was not nice to put a, to a face to the business. I was like, oh, it's not a piss take; It's a real thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're amazing. Evan are incredible. They're incredible humans.
0: So how did you link up with those guys then?
1: So when I started, after the program started, we got so many signups. I thought maybe 10 people would sign up. We ended up, gosh, we worked with hundreds, hundreds across the nation, deployed. So across the world, it just hundreds and hundreds, and it just keeps growing. But uh, Gary Amber, who is one of our gals, now she does one-on-one with Mitch, but uh, Gary saw her post, I think, and he messaged me and said, you know, this is something I think I want to I want to get on. And I said, absolutely, sign up. And he did, and he went through the entire phase one, and from there, I think, Den Mother, so Evan, uh, wanted to do it as well and yeah so just instagram word of mouth
0: yeah instagram's been a big thing for me too right like i said i reach out to a lot of people and it's it's so easy to form good relationships like uh like with evan for example i reached out to him on instagram and you and even gary i've never met gary but we're going to meet up in september so it can be it's all for good right
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. It's it's incredible. You can make relationships that there's no way you'd make otherwise.
0: Yeah. So just to, i was just going to backtrack a little bit. So with the SumaFit stuff, obviously you've got the military, police sort of aspect in in the sense that that's who you're targeting. When did it? When did or even is it more targeted towards the canine handlers?
1: At Lex, after Lex and uh, meeting Bob and Jason even, and uh, the people that were willing to help me with him, that's where for me, I, I just thought I have, it combined something that I'm so passionate about where I love these dogs and I love these people that are giving so much every day. Let's combine the two and give back to them in the best way that we can. So, that's so can you run
0: us, yeah, could you just run us through, like, obviously you've got the, there's the physical component. Can you run us through some of the, the mental, uh, psychological sort of stuff that you do on the program as well, without giving away your secrets?
1: <laughs> so really, th- there's a few components to it. I think community is a big aspect, which you see when they tag, when they tag everyone on Instagram. But uh, also, I'll go through every single workout they do. and Make sure that they're, because they can add videos, make sure their videos, I'll check up on them, keep their, keep their butts on the program. And, but then every week we add in a mindset prompt and sometimes it's something very basic where it's, it's just maybe one of my favorite quotes or uh, a story like the Chinese farmer story about maybe other times. It's something that I really want to think about like, okay, if you had everything you wanted. Or if you were the person you want to be, what would that look like? How would that feel? Can you see that? And maybe it's not real right now, but can you be that person now? And as you become that person, you're, you're going to pull that to you. Because again, the mind follows the body and the body follows the mind. If you feel a certain way, then your body, your mind will create that. If you can think a certain way, then your body will feel a certain way. And That, and then as well as adding structure and discipline and, uh, what that looks like daily and staying consistent
0: yeah I, I like it i like it i was um i sort of toyed with the idea in my head of like a handle of fitness program not long ago but i'm, I'm not the guy to, to deliver that probably because um i'm not like a, a bodybuilder or anything i'm just a, I'm a regular dude but um are you still into the bodybuilding stuff
1: I stopped. I stopped. It's been a few years. I'd like to go back. The girls now and figure are too big, which was what I competed in. I'd have to do bikini. It's, it's in the back of my mind. (laughs) It is just something that uh, it's a, it can be a very selfish sport and it takes so much time and so much energy. And I don't want to do it unless I believe I have a good chance of winning or to qualify again. So not right now, but maybe in the future.
0: Yeah, and is, so you, you were saying it's quite a selfish thing and there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of work involved. Is there one of the reasons you don't want to commit to it because of what you're doing now? You don't want to be drawn away from
1: that? Right, it takes a lot of time, uh, the programs that we, that we run right now and where we want to go with it. So eventually, so right now we don't actually, we don't charge for the Canine Handler program. It's completely free. And yeah, and we, we've had a lot of people sign up. So, I want to eventually move that to a non. <laughs> <Not near. laughs> well, no, absolutely. Anyone, as long as you're a real canine handler, you can't just handle your own dogs. But uh, if uh, I want to eventually move that to a bit, and that's going to take a lot of work. But for now, hopefully, find more sponsorships for the program. And eventually, I want it to grow and I want to be able to offer more things. So that's 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 where my time is right spends a lot of right now that and then clients yeah. programs we have some phenomenal people
0: so tell me a bit about how you're embedded in the canine world because you know you've obviously attended a few i think a few i've seen at least one conference that you've been at um and i from memory you were talking about atk in september um Tell us about like your involvement, your day-to-day involvement with the canine community. How do you stay connected?
1: So Gary actually uh, invited me to this one that was last week, and that was awesome because uh, most of my people I had not seen in person. And I got to meet Canine Coda's crew, Michelle, just phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. I've always told her that if I wish I knew women like her growing up. She's just an just amazing human being. And so I got to meet a lot of my – canine people in person, Gary and Evan in person. Uh, And it was neat just to see the things that uh, their classes, what the dynamic is between people there. So that was awesome. But as far as the day to day, really, it's just all online. I go through their workouts. I redo their stories and uh, I'm here if they need me. And honestly, I, I do. I love my people. I would do anything for them. They're just the best. So I just try to keep up with that, and I have a lot of workouts to go through every day. And, uh, yeah, oh, and program that. adjustments. Sorry?
0: Said, oh, I, I bet there's a lot of people to deal with and, and a, lot of, um, a lot of programs to keep up to date with and reposting stories, watching videos, giving some advice. It'd be full yeah. on, right? I mean, it's a full-time job.
1: Yeah, but worth it. Very worth it. I love it. So, And then just learning, continuing to learn, continuing to bring uh, better things always.
0: Yeah. And is that the focus in the future? You, do you want to be more like physically involved with people? So you want to start going to these seminars, presenting, building the, building the brand, like into a bit of an enterprise sort of thing? What's, what's the future of SimaFit?
1: You know, the pipe dream would be to have a gym. But as far as that goes, yes, understanding the people that I work with more and better and meeting more of my, the people that I work with and just growing it, growing it in any way that I can so that it better serves these people so that it's a better program, better targeted, it has what they need and uh, just to, to grow it and to make sure that it can stand on its own that it's not and I never want it to go away. I just want it to get better, if that makes sense. Oh B time. Yeah, definitely.
0: So do you know do you think you'll start setting up like stalls and stands in the future and, and start selling the brand a bit more to, to some of the departments and when it comes to welfare and whatnot?
1: You know, I don't know on that. I'm working on a few things to see as far as sponsorships goes. And then obviously moving to the 501c3, hopefully. And it would be neat to do more in-person things where I can put people through a workout or talk to people even just in person about mindset, nutrition, or, okay, here's what your day looks like. What can we do to make that just a little better? Or where are you at? So, it would be cool to go to more uh, seminars if you, or conferences, if you will, like I did this last week. But I don't know if that's selfish just because it was fun or because it would actually, <laughs> I need to think about that. But anyway, yeah.
0: Well, look, from my perspective, you know, when I hear you talk about the, the business and the backstory and how passionate you are, plus your, your insane education and your personal history in the, in the industry, I think it would 100% be worth doing on a regular basis, setting up a stall, whether you want to do like merch or whatever, but like running departments through workouts. I think there's so much potential for for a business like that. And I think it's so needed in that community because, you know, sometimes these departments don't do the best job taking care of their people. So it's, it's on the individuals.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's Again, it's incredible to me. It's something I think I had taken for granted for so long is how much these people give. And I just, I, I never realized I didn't. And it is also neat to see how much they love their dogs and how how passionate some people are that are in this world for it's all for the dogs are doing what's best for the dogs. And, uh, that's really inspiring to see. And it's incredible. Like I said, just the, the caliber of people just floor me all the time. It's, it's just so inspiring.
0: Have you ever considered joining a department going to be a canine handler? Or are you happy doing what you're doing?
1: <laughs> no, no. Like I said, I won't serve, but I will serve those that did in the best way that I can. I think that's my place. Uh, yeah, and I'll keep reti- I'll keep adopting retired dogs, but no, I no, I don't think that's my place. <laughs> okay,
0: I'm the same. I've sort of toyed with the idea every now and then. I'm like, oh, maybe I could, but I'm like, nah, I'm Just got to stop chasing butterflies and just be good at what I do now.
1: <laughs> yeah, this feels right. This feels like it's something that I'm good at, and. Yeah, it just fits. feels good.
0: feels right. Yeah. So can I, I just want to ask you a couple of like uh, questions about like, uh, for lack of a better term, like advice for canine handlers or anyone in that sort of, in that sort of community, that law enforcement military community, particularly canine. Are there certain types of injuries that you see more in canine handlers than in other industries?
1: I think, well, I'll start first with uh, law enforcement. I think because of the the vest, the kit that they wear, there's a lot of back and shoulder problems. But then when it comes to the canine aspect, I think I see a lot of rolled ankles, a lot of rolled ankles. So that would be, I think, the main one that I find the most. And uh, and, and not so much an injury, but being able to keep up with their dogs because their dogs are absolute units. And sometimes their fitness doesn't match what it needs to be in order to be the best partner that they want to be for their dog, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And obviously, you've seen them work, right? Have you ever gone and done ride-alongs and seen the way that they operate?
1: Not ride-alongs, no, but I have I have seen uh, what they can do. It's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, and that that would be an important aspect, of your business, right, is understanding physically what they go through and what share they move their bodies and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And it's neat too when I get feedback. Sometimes I'll get feedback. Oh, we went on – forgive me, I don't know the right words for this all the time, but if we went on a track after a suspect or something. I was able to keep up with my dog the entire time. And when I get something like that or I weighed this and now I weigh that or even something like my wife gave me the eyes last night. it it makes it all worth it it's it makes me so stupid happy i can't even explain and i think yeah all right you know this is because i don't always know if i'm doing enough or if this program is good enough or if if there's holes that need to be filled but when i get messages like that gosh it just makes me so happy it's so rewarding
0: yeah that's so good to hear And what about the dogs? Do you do any fitness or like preventative work with the dogs or is that not quite your field?
1: So that's not my wheelhouse. Like I said, I really, uh, everything I know now about the dogs I've learned recently in the last few years, but we do have, what is neat about this program is we do have every single week, a, uh, canine wad in honor of one of the canines that. Uh, at least at first for for the people who went to the program in the beginning. So there's a bolo wad with Gary and there's a canine Knox, canine mm. CODA's crew, and there's a few others in there. Uh, so that's neat for it to, to make it feel like this is their program. But as far as the dogs go, there's some partner workouts, but as far as training the actual dogs, no. Yeah. Okay.
0: And can you just give us a bit of advice for anyone who is a handler or someone who's in the military law, community, eh, law enforcement community? What's some really good advice you've got for someone, just like the, the basics to take care of themselves, physically or mentally? Uh,
1: structure. So it's all about how you start your day. Uh, there's a, something a friend of mine said was there's a thousand tiny decisions throughout the day and each and every one of those matter. So make those small decisions and make them right. So start your day off, even if you're on night shift or something different, whatever your morning is, get up and get out in the sun, drink water upon waking and just starting your day off right in that way is such a positive feedback loop to yourself, how you feel about yourself and it can start. Uh, progression for so many other positive things to follow in that day. And then if you can stay consistent with those few things, then other things will follow because it's consistency every time in doing the small things. So sunlight in the morning, cause that'll help you. That'll help you with your energy, with your sleep, hydration, because that's going to get your body started off right and eat your fruits and your vegetables. <laughs> I always push. <laughs> you've got to gotta have a good gut biome do any, find something you love doing and move. Move every single day.
0: All right. I've, I've got one user submitted question here. I'm just going to get it up now. Give me two seconds. Where is he? Where is he? Oh, God, I've lost it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, there it is. So, this is a question from Evan Nulty. he says, how much string cheese should a bloke include in their diet for the most gains?
1: I can't. I gave, (laughs) so I told him no dairy and I don't know what he did, but something he said, just, it irked me. So I called what I called one of his workouts, the string cheese workout. He did the entire workout on the Jacob's ladder, even eating string cheese I wanted to strangle him with it. But anyway, you need to be careful with dairy. Dairy can contribute to inflammation. It's not, I'm not saying don't have it. Just be aware of it. And your gut actually can't digest it on its own. Bacteria has to grow in your gut to digest it for you. So just being realistic and not going ham on dairy all the time. And uh, again, eat your fruits and your vegetables. Prioritize those. <laughs> get your <laughs> done in nasal breathe and... That's a move every single day and mobility. Mobility, I think, is something that's easily looked past. Everyone wants to do squat, dead bench or upper body even only. And then you have these, you're in pain all the time. But if you do mobility and you focus on small things like posture, it can really make a difference in your day-to-day and your longevity in your career and how you feel in your life.
0: Because that's the aim, right? The aim is longevity. The aim is stay yeah physically and mentally fit healthy capable so you can do your job for longer more efficiently and you can be happy and satisfied in your life right that's the ultimate
1: Yeah and I don't want them to leave feeling trashed you know they give so much the last thing I want to do is okay now your your body's broken I don't want I don't want that I want them to feel good I want them to feel strong and if we can to undo some of the damage that maybe already has been done.
0: Yeah. And what about when it comes to the mental aspect of, you know, dealing with police officers and military people, what are the sort of things that you see pop up when it comes to like mental injuries, whether it's emotional or or psychological?
1: I would say a lot of times these people are wired to serve and to give everything they have. And they do that sometimes to the detriment of themselves. So sometimes I'll work on things that are really small, like, Hey, don't blame everything, not anything, not even yourself because it's easy for people like that to recall only their mistakes and to hang on to those because a mistake can be, can cost a lot. Uh, or to be aware of the progress that they are making or struck against structure and consistency. I think that is huge waking up at the same time every day. Uh, not just trying to wing it because you have so much going on all the time with your kids, your wife or your husband work there. There's overtime all the time, finding small things that they can implement every day. That's going to be the same. And, and then I think lastly, the most important promises are going to be the ones that you keep are going to be the ones that you make to yourself and you, and you've got to keep them to yourself. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, especially the, 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 blame part. Cause I know you are, you're hundred percent correct. You know, people in those sort of jobs, they do want to serve. They do want to help. They do want to be better. Mm. And then they just, they pile it on, they pile it on, they pile it on and then burp, broken.
1: Right. Yeah. It's just, they take on a lot and, um, and it's just who they are. They don't even, they don't even think about it. It's just what they do. And it's important, I think too, to realize, okay, well, what fills? be aware of what's draining from you and what fills your cup, if you will, and make sure that you're doing the things that fill you. That that make life worth it, and take the time to really enjoy those moments. Like we were talking the other night, it's not always about getting to the next, the next uh, goal or the next to to make sure to always be pushing it, redlining it all the time. Okay, well, what fulfills you today, and what is going to make that next goal worth it? Because redlining it all the time isn't the way.
0: Yeah. And it's, it may be a bit of a tired analogy, you know, the whole put the oxygen marks, yeah, mask on yourself before you put it on someone else on the plane, right? But mm. I, the way I like to explain to people, you know, the reason you should take care of yourself and be serious about your physical and mental well-being is because you do want longevity in your life, and your career. And if your thing is to serve and to help, then you probably want to do that as long as and as well as you possibly can. So it only behoves you, so to speak, to take care of yourself, right? Yeah. So not burn out, not burden yourself all the time and, and then just be broken and then, you know, leave bitter and twisted and feel like a burden.
1: Right. And uh, a lot of them have kids too. Is I, I'll always say that, you know, gosh, uh, your kids need you. I want you to be able to keep up with your kids and to feel good. And there's uh, that. That's a big why I think for for a lot of these people too. Because on the questionnaire I have a question in there: Why do you want to do this? So that I can understand them. Because I save all their responses, and uh, that is that is when I see that and trying to be the best partner they can be for their dog. So it's it's neat to see that. But that's something that uh, is also a reason for longevity in the program.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So like purpose, man, if you don't have a, a worthy purpose or a purpose you actually believe in,
1: mm.
0: nothing else matters. The rest of it will fall away eventually, you know. Yeah. Hey, so in, in this industry now, right, in doing what you do, you believe in it so much, you, you, you love the results. People obviously are on board. Um, people like me think you're very interesting and, and, and appreciate what you do for the community. Do you still... Every now and then, do you have those feelings of self-doubt? Do you sometimes feel that lack, lack of self-confidence? Or are you pretty self-assured and, and happy in what you do?
1: I'm very confident and very self-assured in what I do. I think mostly because what it comes down to is keeping promises to myself and trying to be the best that I can be, constantly pushing myself. And But I do question myself a lot. Uh, I will question, okay, is this right? Am I doing this right? Is this enough? And uh, am I doing right by my clients, right by the things that I say? And uh, I think uh, I'll question a lot, okay, does this have integrity? And if it doesn't, how does it need to be changed? I want to make sure things make sense and that they're fair. And yeah, so I'll question myself a lot on that. I don't necessarily think that that's a lack of confidence. I just want to make sure it's right. So
0: yeah, good. So it's more self-reflective as opposed to, like, uh, self-flagellation, you know?
1: Right, right. Every now and then I'll wonder, uh, again, is this good enough? Do I know what I'm doing? Do I need to figure out more or find out more and uh, learn more? So that's always something I I try to do too, which I love the Huberman podcast for. But, uh,
0: yeah. (laughs) Uh, Old uh, Saint Huberman.
1: (laughs) Yeah incredible i love how he is able to bring so much information in a very understandable and easily digestible way that you can apply to your own life
0: yeah i I think that's a really really important part about being educated is you have to be a good educator right Right. you've got to simplify things break them down to their essence and be able to deliver it to people in, in consumable palatable packages that's why there's certain dog trainers that i that I really like because they resonate, like Pat Stewart, for example. Um, it sounds like Mike, uh, Mike uh, Ritland's been that guy for you. Um, so I've got one last little question for you. Uh, have you ever had any criticism or any any negative feedback with what you do?
1: I've had, uh, I've had people not necessarily for, so for instance, if I don't have someone complete the workouts for two weeks, I'll message them and say, Hey, if I don't hear from you by Monday, I'm going to archive your account. I've had a few people not like that, but I do expect, I mean, this program is free. I do expect you to put in, to meet me halfway because I, there's nothing I won't do for my people. I do expect that. And, uh, that's the only thing I've heard that I know of, uh, that 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 uh, matters if you will so that's the only thing i've ever thought about okay well is this something that i need to change but then i thought no i need i need i need them to be consistent and i need them to meet me halfway otherwise there there really won't be any results anyway from the program
0: yeah i know i didn't ask that question so we can you know, hear something negative or, or bad. I just, that I was just curious about that because I don't, I definitely don't want to finish on a, on a negative because um, I think what you do is pretty incredible. I think you're getting a really good response from the community. Uh, hey, some random guy in Australia thinks you're interesting and you're now on the podcast. So <laughs> your reach is far and wide, right? Um, so if somebody wants to, to reach you, if they want to hear about what you do, if they want to jump on the program, like, where are they going to go?
1: So on Instagram at SUMA.fit or uh, online, you can just sign up for the program for the Canine Handler Fitness program at SUMAFITLSC.com and you just click Canine Handler Fitness and you can sign up. And then we have a bunch of other programs too. I mean, we have the Lex program in honor of Lex for a lot of our SWAT guys have been on that. We do a lot of one-on-ones for like, we have FBI secret service for all the people that are traveling all the time that need specific workouts. And, uh, and then I have my, my, uh, my incredible moms and the support system for these people that we also have programs for. So yeah, sumafitlc.com We'll take care of you.
0: <laughs> awesome. Christine. Uh, hey, look, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll wrap it up there. Don't hang up. I'll just press the stop record. So we'll cut we'll okay. to the body. Um, but, Thank you so much for sharing your time, um, coming on and telling us about you and what you do and the impact you have on the community. Um, Yeah, it's greatly appreciated, not just for coming on the podcast, but for everything you do. So, yeah, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. This was fun. I really appreciate it.
0: All good. And hopefully see at ATK9 if you're going to be there with Evan or Gary or someone like that.
1: That'd be awesome. I'll put
0: you through All right. through the, the leg workout, yeah, yeah, I know, you saddest. All right, <laughs> let's do that.
1: <laughs> That'll
0: be fun. Easy. All right, I'll do the hang-up thing now, but don't go anywhere. Okay. Catch up. Thanks for listening to that episode of the Origin Canine podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, subscribe to the YouTube channel, give us a rating on your podcast platform Or go to origincanine.com for our tactical canine equipment, which includes collars, leads, harnesses, and merchandise. Thanks for listening, guys.